0: You're listening to a podcast from 702 and Cape Talk.
1: The Literature Corner. Why don't you tell us the last book you've read? Review it for us. Give us a thumbs up, a thumbs down of the last week or so. Last week uh, you were very lazy when we did some book reviews and you disappointed me. You don't want to disappoint your talk show host. And eventually when you started calling in, it was mostly women who called in, which is very cool. I wonder whether the male... Listeners of the show have, in the meantime, been guilt-tripped to pick up the book, and if so, I wonder whether you have finished the book in the last week or three, and you can tell us what you made of it. So I'll give you a chance for a one or two-minute review on o double one double eight three o seven o two in Johannesburg, Cape readers, give us a call right now on o two one double four six o five six seven. One of our faves is back in studio with us, Fiona Sneakers. She reads all the time. She is. Uh, one of those authors who are incredibly generous about other authors' works, which you'll be very surprised to know isn't always the case in the world of literature. Fiona, thanks so much for coming in. It's lovely seeing you again.
2: Lovely to be here, Eusebius.
1: I haven't read any of the stuff you're going to be talking about. I love listening to what it is that my fellow writers have been reading because our reading choices are so diverse uh, for all the obvious reasons. Where are we going to start?
2: Let's start with this extremely fascinating novel, called La Bastarda it is the first book to be translated into English written by a woman from Equatorial Guinea and I must admit I had to do a quick young google of Equatorial Guinea um, but it was a Spanish con- uh, colony known okay. as Spanish Guinea and um, this is the most fascinating contribution to queer fiction to come out of Africa um, The author is Trifonia Melabea Obono, and um, the character is Okomo, uh, and she was named as a reference to her illegitimate status in the community because her father had not yet paid a dowry um, to the mother's family when she was conceived. She's regarded as the bastarda, the bastard, Mm. um, uh, illegitimate in the community and already born an outsider, Um, but it is a very interesting insight into um, an extremely patriarchal society from an insider. Um, I was recently reading criticisms by various people um, that African fiction focuses too much on the diaspora experience, the African who sort of goes and studies in New York, Paris, or London, or whatever, and achieves insight that way, and that there are not enough stories about people who just – Stay put in Africa and write their own stories And this is really one of those Um, The author is a Professor in Equatorial Guinea, she still lives there Um, She is a lesbian And this is I I don't know to what extent it is strictly Autobiographical but um, I would imagine it is to some extent Inspired by her own experiences Um, This young woman is overcome by a desire to find out more about her father and her father's family. And that is strictly forbidden because in her community, if you don't have a father, your mother's brother is your father, end of story. And it's not allowed to investigate who your actual biological Hmm. father is. Um, But she has this deep hunger to know her father's people. Mm -hmm. And in investigating this, she um, becomes closer to her uncle, who is known as a man-woman because he's gay and um she discovers he, li- he lives a mysterious life in the forest and she discovers that he's actually part of a community of queer outsiders community within this equatorial guinea community mm. um, and it's a kind of coming of age story about how she gets in touch with her own identity and her own sexuality um I would recommend it very, very highly. Sounds powerful. Um, it's published by Majaji Books. It's available uh, at most mainstream bookstores and also on the Majaji website.
1: It seems quite slim. Is it uh, in terms of style? Is it just economically written? Is it fast-paced? How does it? How it? How does it go in terms of just from a just from the point of view of how it's been um, sculpted and put together, really?
2: Um, the writing style is. Quite simple and terse, um, it's. It leaves one wanting more. Um, you want to know more about the story, more about her life. So I really hope that she is writing more and that it will be translated into English and become available to us.
1: Okay, fabulous. 12 minutes after 11, what is the last book you had read? 11 double one, double We're hanging out with Fiona Snickers. She's talking about a couple of the books that she's been reading of late. I want to know your reviews of the books you've been reading as well. 021-446-0567. O two one I've alluded to the last book that I have read. In fact, I quoted from it in the second hour in this, that discussion we've just had with Luke Lamprecht around how we're going to recover the souls of boys that have been brutalized. So maybe I can give you a summary of the last book I had read. It is a New York Times bestseller, and the title of it is So You Want to Talk About Race. And the author is, I hope I'm saying the name correctly, uh, or Lua. I had mixed feelings about this book, and I think it's partly because I read so much on grace that (laughs) it's very hard for me to pick up a book on race and find that I'm learning new things. But as a reviewer, particularly an author reviewing books, I'm not precious about novelty. I think a book needs to do one of two things in order to be worth my buy and my reading time. And if it does both of these things, it's a bonus, but it just needs to do one. Either it doesn't tell me something new that I don't already know, but it's written so beautifully or so interestingly that I enjoy seeing old insights being presented through language and stories and perspectives that that I hadn't seen before. So novelty, what is novelty? I mean, we're all on the shoulders of giants. Alternatively, the writing style may not be particularly amazing, but they're interesting primary evidence or new insights. And then, of course, the sweet spot is when you get both out of a book. With this one, I often felt like a lot of it was trite for me as someone who knows a lot about race discourse. And some of the stories and the writing style wasn't amazing until I got to the second half. And then I thought there were a couple of chapters here where I did did learn new things. So basically what she does is she sets out a series of questions that are typical questions that many of you have in relation to race. And she proceeds to answer them. And each chapter starts with some stories from her life And then she puts that aside, there's a line break, and then she becomes more didactic in addressing the theoretical issues. Some of the chapters include the following questions. Why am I always being told to check my privilege? What is intersectionality and why do I need it? Why can't I use the N-word? One of my favorite chapters, what are microaggressions? And by the way, we're going to come back to that chapter on the show. I think the material is there for a beautiful radio conversation. Those of you who have been asking me about using that word a lot myself. I just called racist. What do I do now? It's another chapter. Talking is great, but what else can I do? Which is the final chapter, really important chapter. What is the school to prison pipeline? So all of these are pretty fundamental questions she poses about contemporary race discourse. And I think that. Actually, upon reflection, even if you've read a lot of stuff on race, you will find something in it for yourself. And at the very least, that problematic auntie who thinks that she's woke, but you know that she isn't, this is the, perf- the perfect birthday gift for her.
2: Corner. Brands. 18 Norwegian. minutes after 11 you're o'clock, being out with the Snickers. And What's Gossier. the second book the you're going to review gotcha? for us, Fiona? This book is called The Enumerations by Moira Fisher.
1: I love this cover.
2: It is. It's, so it's very attractive. Yeah. Um, it was Moira wrote a book called Bird's Eye a few years ago, which was extremely well received and popular. And um, this is her second and latest book. It's about a young boy called Noah Groom, who is in matric, and who suffers from OCD, uh, not the kind of OCD that people like to joke about, but the actual mental illness, and. Um, there's an incident at his school which leads to him having to be admitted for residential care for this illness of his. And the book is interesting because it's a real genre crossover. A lot of it is written from the point of view of Noah, which makes one want to put it into the YA or young adult category, but much of it is also from the point of view of his parents, Hmm. especially his mother, which makes it more adult, and I asked Moira at her recent book launch what made her decide to tell the story from so many perspectives. And she said it had to do with the fact that mental illness is never experienced in isolation by the person who suffers from it. It touches everybody in the family and in the community. Mm. And she was trying to show the ripple effect that this has mm. across everybody who knows this child. It is a multi-layered book. It is really interesting, extremely well-researched. And it also touches on issues of identity because, interestingly, and it was a complete coincidence, that I read two books back-to-back that dealt with this hunger to find out one's identity. Noah has a father. He knows who his father is, but he knows nothing about his father's family, where they came from. It is an absolute lack in his life. And he feels a very strong desire to know more about the side of his family. And his father is blocking him at every turn. And we're not sure why. Um, there's another narrative. There are multiple narratives in this book. There's another narrative that seems to be happening in a different place and time. And we wonder whether you know this contains the, the seeds for the father's reluctance to disclose his own past. But uh, that... That hunger for identity is something that I think is being addressed a lot in fiction at the moment and that I personally mm. find extremely fascinating. Mm. Uh, let's what is see. OCD? Obsessive-compulsive disorder. Uh, he, For him, it, it takes the form of having to count everything in fives and not being able to cross any threshold until he's gone through a ritual of counting and Um, his own, uh, it's a kind of um, compulsion. Mm. It's something within him that is forcing him to Mm. do this. It's like a dictator in his own head Mm. that won't let him proceed with his life until he has gone through all these rituals. He can't drink coffee unless it's out of the Monday mug. And the Monday to Sunday mugs have to be lined up in a row, color-coordinated, and nobody can come into his room and say, can I borrow a mug? because that that has totally disturbed his order and will send him spiraling off into the most terrible anxiety.
1: Do you recommend the book?
2: I would recommend it very, very highly. It's one of the best books I've read in the last three it sounds months. sounds like a
1: wonderfully um, full exploration of a condition that is often spoken about colloquially in ways that trivializes it.
2: Yes, it's something that people joke about and use in a colloquial way, but actually has mm. a very serious... Uh, counterpart as a, a
1: crippling mm. mental illness. Mm, sure. Okay. One of our listeners have a thirty second review. Let's listen to it. Abel. Hi, UCBS it's Sipo here. The last book I read is by your favorite Intikiang uh His book, Pleasure. I enjoyed it greatly, especially his writing skills. I uh, I feel that you need to approach the book with an open mind. I loved the the part I love most is the strange funeral towards the end. I don't want to say much on it because I don't want to spoil it for anyone who has not read it. And yeah, I just I, get, I rated it four out of five. And yeah, it is a beautiful book and I enjoy his writing. Thanks to I, I highly recommend it. I agree that it's a great book. You can tweet me and tell me why you are robbing him of the fifth point. Is it just because you want to seem very deep that you think that there was something missing there? I think it was a pretty good book. pretty much complete. But I love the fact that I've made you fall in love with him, uh, Sipo. But out of interest, if you had to criticize the book a little bit that took the shine of a perfect five, just uh, just tell me what it is and I'll have a look out for your tweets. And I'm glad that you've mentioned Kang, because, of course, DeKang's latest book, which I loved, like everything else that he's written, is Michael K which is a response to my favorite Coetzee novel, Life and Times of Michael Kay. I'm one of those people who have multiple copies of Life and Times of Michael Kay, just because I love stocking it. My second favorite um, book by James Coetzee is Disgrace. And uh, we have to get some applause there, just for fun. You know, the next time we're going to have Fiona on, it's not to show love to other authors. Next time we have you on, we're going to be talking about your exceptionally prolific career as a writer. And as a Kutsia fan and as a fan of yours, I'm particularly excited about the recent announcement uh, that you, in fact, have another book coming out. Applause there, Abel. Now, over to you. Tell us about this project and how it engages Kutsia.
2: It is, in a sense, a sequel to Disgrace, told from the point of view of Lucy Lurie who is David Lurie's daughter. In Disgrace, we see that she's the victim of a gang rape in a a farm situation. And we have very little insight into her mind, into she has little agency in the novel. She makes an interesting decision, which her father struggles to come to grips with, which is to invite her attackers to come and and live on the farm with her and to farm the land together. And she also decides to keep the child that has been conceived by the gang rape. And there's quite a strong implication that this brown child will be the savior of South Africa, almost a a messiah-type figure. And I was very interested by the lack of insight we get into Lucy's attack and into her... Reasoning and motivation For these strange decisions she makes It seemed to me to be a lack in the novel And I've called my novel Lacuna uh, Which signifies an absence Something that is missing yeah. And I try to explore Lucy's point of view What what was she thinking, what are her motivations uh, The book is Extremely critical of um, Kutzia's Handling of, of women and their agency And uh, it's it changes Lucy's story quite a lot. It reinvents it, but I hope it will strike a chord among readers.
1: I love the press review release on what the book is about. And there are two sentences in it that are wonderfully terse and to the point, which is why I look forward to it, that Lucy will not be silenced and her rape is not a metaphor.
2: Yes, this idea of using rape as a metaphor is was probably more acceptable back in... What was it, uh, 1990-whatever when Disgrace was written, but has become very unacceptable now. And to look at it, that book, after 20 years through a a modern lens is a worthwhile activity to me.
1: I totally agree. Totally, totally agree. That said, um, I have to say, Disgrace is a gift that keeps on giving. I cannot I cannot remember how many, I'm sure you've had the same, how many debates I've had around the dinner table about who the book does most injustice to. <laughs> yes. The colored woman student,
2: mm-hmm.
1: the black men in it who are mm-hmm. rendered pathetic. Mm-hmm. Or even I've had some compelling friends saying that that actually white men also come out pretty pathetic. A real white man will go and shoot the buggers, not remonstrate with them in the fields about oh, the right. rape as well. So like it seems that every group Feels aggrieved by how, how Kutsia has portrayed them. And so, whatever your own interpretation, and I share what you've just said, it certainly is a very good book for, for teaching purposes.
2: It is, yes. And it really bestrides the South African scene like a colossus. You can love it, you can hate it, but you can't ignore it. Exactly. You have to engage with exactly.
1: it. Exactly. Knowles, good morning. Very quickly, what book do you want to review? Uh, good morning, Ethiopia. The book
0: that I read was uh, The Hate You Give by N.G. Thomas. Hmm. Yes, It's um, a young adult novel that follows um, a 16-year-old by the name of Star, who lives in this uh, poor black neighborhood but goes into this affluent uh, white private school, so she always has to switch between two personalities and then she witnesses a murder of uh, her friend by a police officer, so something that is happening in America currently, and then also she's taught on this journey where um, they're trying to find out whether they go, they're go going to prosecute this police officer. She has to. Uh, testify etc so it's a very good book that i would
1: definitely recommend oh fantastic absolutely fantastic nelly says on twitter i i've recently read color me yellow by Tulin Shlapo." i'm glad you did nelly i thought it was an excellent book i hope you caught the interview i did with tuli on the show if not have a look at the podcast on our 702 website nelly says i didn't get out of bed until i had finished it on saturday absolutely captivating a book this, Eusebius, and I really enjoyed it. Totally agree with you. sepo uh, has now answered me on Twitter um, and says, well, Eusebius, the, the Fury storyline cost Mr. Moshlele the fifth point, although it was It was not bad for the story I did not quite connect with it really Really well at that level I suppose that's true I didn't either on that particular score But I actually thought what is wonderful And the same is true of some of his other novels Is how much historical research he does And the way some of the stories are located Across different countries and not just cities For me is one of the things I love about him He really does his homework He's not only drawing on experiential knowledge When he sets out to plot his characters And his books are also very dense even though they are deceptively slim uh, in the sense that they are often very subtle intertextual uh, products and reference to all sorts of other work particularly the work of and other writers and you may miss some of that if you don't already have that under your belt there's one more book i want to discuss with fiona but uh, let's quickly break the literature corner yeah we're doing book reviews and we're hanging out with fiona Snickers, Uh, jenny welcome to the show what book do you want to review what's the last thing you've read Hi there, Jenny.
0: Oh, hi. Yes, sorry. I was this. Um, Yes, the last book I've read is The Silk Roads, um, which is absolutely fascinating. It's uh, done by Peter Frankopan, and it's a, a Sunday Times bestseller. And I think what impressed me the most is that as a human race, we haven't changed at all. It shows the different empires. You know, um, it, it, it talks about, you know, how he, the whole trading started very much in sort of Central Asia. Um, the histories along the Silk Roads, the rise and fall of various empires, the need to tr- for trade. Um, you know, how strong that the, the, the Genoese, the, the people from Pisa, um, the Venetians initially were commanding the seas of of, uh, the Mediterranean and how different empires have risen and fallen. And I think what impressed me the most is that when we're at school, we tend to stick an awful lot to our local history. But Mm. this book, I think, opens up your mind far more to us as a human race that... Even today, we are still trading, negotiating, Hmm. uh, (laughs) you know, all those things. It's it's very difficult to explain because he he covers a very broad... Um, expanse of of European Central Asia he brings in how they opened up the first routes to Africa you know coming through to India how the Chinese got involved in trade they put in America as well so I think for anyone that's that's looking at global affairs and humanity as a whole the message I was left with in the end is that we actually even over all the years even though our technology makes us much more sophisticated now we actually basically haven't changed at all (laughs) (laughs) And it is a fabulous book, and I think as you read through it, you know, you can see similar threads in industry and in commerce that we're basically doing today. Okay, we've got faster planes and we've got cell phones and Internet, but the basics is we actually haven't changed. Love it. Love it. it Thank you, Jenny.
1: Loved your review as well. Thanks so much for sharing that with us. What is the last book that you're going to talk to us about, Fiona?
2: This is a book of short stories called One More Thing by the actor-writer B.J. Novak. It spent several weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. I quite enjoy a book of short stories occasionally. Mm. I gravitate more towards novels, but short stories are a nice bite-sized thing to consume last thing at night just before you go Mm. off to sleep. Mm. And this is exceptionally entertaining. It's uh, quirky, funny, intelligent. I'll give you an example. The first story is... About the hare and the tortoise And in Aesop's fable The tortoise has beaten the hare Because Mm. the hare was so complacent That he took several naps along the way And allowed himself to be beaten by the tortoise In this book The hare wants a rematch He's not happy (laughs) with that result at all But the tortoise doesn't want to give it to him Because he knows this was a a once-off victory And he's not going to win again So the hare starts up A kind of public demand campaign to pressurize the tortoise into agreeing to a rematch because he is so indignant that he humiliated himself in this way and has been known over the millennia as the guy who lost the race to the tortoise. <laughs> and he, he shames and compels the tortoise into agreeing to a rematch, which I just found such That's a completely <laughs> off-the-wall mm. premise for a story, and it was done in such an entertaining way that I really enjoyed it. And the stories that follow, some of them are a paragraph long, some of them are several pages long, but they are an insight into an interesting and unusual mind, this mind of B.J. Novak. And I'm really enjoying it. It's what I'm reading at the moment, Mm -hmm. and every story is a delight. I think one would struggle to get it in South Africa at the moment. You'd have to order it off Amazon if you want a paper copy Otherwise, it's readily available on Kindle and other electronic platforms. Also highly recommended.
1: Beautiful stuff. Thank you so much for coming into the studio.
2: Thanks, Eusebius.
1: That was Fiona Sneakers with some of the books she's been reading. And thank you for sharing some of the ones that you have been reading as well. And that's this week's edition of The Literature Corner.